Baptist Church. And um, for the ladies that have signed up for that, be spend the night, go on the meeting on Friday, spend the night, go to the meeting on Saturday, and then come on back home, okay? All right, let's look at Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4 as we continue our study uh, through the book of Acts. Now, let me give you an, uh, an update on where we're at, a little bit of a background before we get into the reading tonight. Uh, of course, Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, at the end of that chapter, uh, they'd went into the beautiful temple. There, that man had gotten healed that was lame. He came in leaping and praising God. Uh, the religious crowd didn't like it not one little bit. And so they laid him in the hold and uh, they kept him overnight, threatened them right good, told him not to speak no more, talk no more about Jesus. And uh, they let him go. Back to the church they went, gathered up together some folks and they began to pray. And uh, they prayed, if you'll remember, for boldness. They said, let our preachers preach with boldness. Boy, God met in that place. And uh, he shook the building. You remember that? Shook that building. And boy, they had a time. I mean, the Holy Ghost got real uh, in the service and God manifested his power. Now, I want to pick up our reading uh, tonight in chapter 4, verse 32. And we're going to read down through chapter 5, verse 11. Now, this is one of those stories that if it weren't right here in the King James Bible, you'd have a hard time convincing me that it was even real. But I'm glad, thank God, that what's in this Bible is the truth. Boy, this is mind-boggling. Look here in chapter 4, verse 32. The Bible said, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of things which they possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite into the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphire, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it and uh, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? That thou hast lied not unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear 
came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up, carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered and said unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land and for so much. And she said, Yea, and for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help tonight as we study your word. God, we love the Bible. Lord, I love just looking at these verse by verse. God, I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd help us to expound the truths that we find in these verses tonight. I pray, God, that you'd touch hearts. I pray that you'd do a work in our midst. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now look at these verses tonight. The latter part of chapter 4, the first part of chapter 5. I'll preach a little while on the dangers of holding back. The dangers of holding back. And I want to talk to you out of these verses for a little while. Now, the church is really just getting started. We're only two chapters in to it being empowered on the day of Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. And uh, these, these believers here, uh, we find they're living in a, uh, God, in, a, in a certain transition period where God is doing some amazing things. Now, I want to say this to you tonight, and I think most of you know and understand this. But you've got to be careful getting church doctrine out of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a very unusual book in that it's a transition book. There's things that, that were necessary to happen uh, in the early church that were not necessary to keep happening years later. In other words, God was trying to get this church off the ground. He was pushing it to move forward. They were winning all of Rome. And there were some of these things that were necessary that didn't carry on speaking in tongues being one of those things. But we see here that the church is together. God is moving. God is working. And we see some very interesting things tonight. First, I noticed that there is what I would call a free will offering. A free will offering. And you see, God has started to move among these people. And all of a sudden, Brother Neil, they decide, well, we've got poor brothers and sisters. They don't have a house to live in. And there's some rich brethren that have got plenty. And so what they decided they would do on their own, it was never a command of God. I want you to understand that. It was never a command of God. But they decided on their own that they would bring all of their possessions and their monies and they'd sell their land and they'd bring them and lay them at the apostles' feet and allow the apostles to divvy out every man as he had need. Now, this was never the command of God. God never commanded them to bring their money in and to split it up that way. You'll never find that in the Scripture. 
But you see, what was happening was these people were so filled with the Holy Ghost that it broke their heart to see their brethren as they struggled. And it made them be liberal givers. I want to say this to you tonight. The only liberal that I'm for is a liberal giver. Amen. And it made them be liberal givers. And they, they had their hearts touched. And they brought everything. They laid it out at the apostles' feet. Well, I want to say this to you this evening. That's exactly what will happen to you when God gets to moving in your heart right good. You'll no longer see the things or the stuff you have as yours. But you'll see those things as God's. And you just feel like you can't give enough and you can't help enough and you can't be a big enough blessing. And that was the case here in the early church. Now, I'm going to point out a few things right here. There was a believing multitude in verse number 32. The first thing I see about this early church was that they believed. Why, that's simple enough, isn't it? They just believed God. I began to think about this. I was studying on it this morning. I wonder what could happen if Christians would just go to believe in God again. We believe everybody else. We believe in everything else. What would happen if we just got together and decided we're going to just believe God? What God said is right. What man said is a lie. And just trust what God said. So they were together and they were believing. They were together. They were a together multitude. But then I want you to see an answered prayer there in verse 33. The Bible says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. Do you remember what they prayed for in the prayer meeting last week? They prayed and said, God, give our preachers boldness. Well, guess what? God had heard and answered their prayer. For with great power, they preached the resurrection. And you'll find in these verses that they had great power, but that they also had great grace. And so if we are to paint a picture of the early church, I'm teaching church history right now in Bible college. If we were to paint a picture of the early church, it would be this. They were together. They were on fire. They had great grace. They had great power. And they were great givers. That's a picture of the early church. And they were praying for God's men. And God's men were filled with the Holy Ghost and were preaching in power on the resurrection. I said, that sounds like a pretty good church to me. They were a giving people. So there's a free will offering in our verses. That's not really what I want to deal with tonight. We see in these verses there is a formulated plan. A formulated plan, preacher, what are you talking about? Look at verse 1. Can I say to you tonight that we f first see that the devil had a plan. You see that first word in verse 1, but, but. But, here's how the devil likes to do things. Everything's going along good. Church is getting filled with the Holy Ghost, giving of themselves. The preachers are preaching in power. God has sent great power among his men. There's great grace in the church. There's great power in the preaching. And the devil jumps up and says, but, but, now, what the disciples had faced prior to chapter 5 was a persecution from the outside. Let me say this to you tonight. 
It doesn't, it doesn't startle me when this world hates the church. I expect it. It doesn't startle me when this liberal crowd wants to do away with the church of the living God. I fully expect it. But boy, the devil knows how. He don't play fair. And so what he did when he saw that he could do nothing through the persecution on the outside, he brought up a problem on the inside. A big word, but. But there's a problem. There's some of this crowd. Oh, the majority of them are serving God and living for God. But there's these two, Ananias and Sapphira. And they are conceiving something in their heart. They're planning something that's going to be a problem. And it brings up a great big but in the life of the early church. I've noticed it over the years. I pastored a long time. And you just let things get to going right good and you just wait and see. Boy, you better put your helmet on. The devil's coming in with a great big butt. He's coming by with something to stop it. He can't stand it. He's coming by and he'll try it with outside persecution. And if he can't persecute on the outside, he'll hunt somebody on the inside. That's his plan. I'm telling you, we're not ignorant tonight of the devil's devices. We can know what he's done. The devil don't have no new tricks. He shows and the, the Lord shows them to us right here in the Bible. And yet people again and again fall for the same old tricks. The devil had a plan. But then we see that Ananias and Sapphira had a plan. What are you talking about? Look at verse 4. The Bible said, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Look here. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? When Peter got to talking to Ananias, he said, Ananias, this was no accidental sin. This was something that you had meditated on, something that you had thought through, something that you meant to do. And he said, why did you conceive it in your heart? You know, it's one thing. To make an accident, everybody messes up. Everybody does. It's one thing to uh, get caught in, up in the moment and sin. That, that's one thing. Oh, it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's wrong. But boy, there's something else when a man intends in his, a man or a woman intends in their heart. They plan it out. They conceive it. That's a whole new level. And that's what Peter has said to Ananias. He said, you not only sinned, but you conceived that sin. You thought it through. You've been thinking on it. You've allowed your mind and your heart to be overwhelmed with this idea. And what we'll see tonight is that the basis of it is greed. They didn't want to give to God. Now, here's the thing about it. They didn't have to. That's what's crazy about this story. What ends up killing Ananias and Sapphira is that they lie about something that wasn't a command of God to begin with. Peter said, he said, look. He said, wasn't it your own when you had it? You know what they could have done? They could have sold that land, brought their tithe, give their tithe and said, praise God and went on with life. But instead, what they decided to do was lie about how much they had brought. And it was a thing of pride and a thing of greed. On one side, they wanted patted on the back. 
The same way that Barnabas had gotten patted on the back and everybody said, boy, look what all he brought. And they saw that and their pride swelled up and said, boy, we'd like to get a pat on the back. Sapphire leaned over to Ananias and said, you know, that's right, but we would like to go on a vacation this year too, honey. He said, we'll just keep a little back. They'll not know. They'll never know. That's the conception in the heart. Now that's the way sin is. A lot of times there's two parameters. Pride and greed, a lot of times, they're two great big motivators for sin. And a lot of and then there's always a cover-up involved. We'll we'll just not say anything, they'll never know. Nobody's gonna know. And we'll keep it, we'll take our part down there and they'll think that's all of it. And boy, we'll get a pat on the back. Just like, see, that was the conception of this thing. And they began to think on it. They began to conceive on it. And I'll say something to you tonight, church, on a Wednesday night. It's awful dangerous when you go to planning sin. When you sit down and start calculating on how to cheat or how to do this or get by with this, boy, you're walking on dangerous ground. How many of you agree with me tonight? But for the grace of God. We're all sinners. Our flesh tonight is prone to sin. Your flesh is. If you let your mind wander, what does it wander toward? It'll wander right toward sin. And yesterday morning we shot a podcast with Brother Eddie Davis. And we talked about the battle of the mind. I'm going to tell you, you talk about a podcast. My goodness. And Brother Eddie brought out some great things. And he said inside a man is a spiritual man and inside a man is a fleshly carnal man and them two men only have one mind and there's a battle for it that fleshly man wants that mind to think on things he wants to think about he wants to think about getting ahead he wants to think about lust he wants to think about greed he wants to think about pride then there's a spiritual man And he's vying for time. He wants to think about spiritual things. He wants to think about God. He wants to think about the Bible. He wants to think about loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's a warfare for your mind. Some of you that are listening to me tonight, you can can, uh, attest to it very clearly. There's this battle. There's this battlefield of the mind. And there's these two people inside of you that are both vying for that seat of your affection. And both of them want that mind to be right. No wonder Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind. And somewhere down the line, in Ananias' mind, the fleshly man wore one out. I believe Ananias is a saved man. I believe he was. I believe he's a saved man. Somewhere in the battle, that carnal man won out and Ananias began to conceive with his mind and began to think about sin. And then that thought became action and it began to control him. Somebody said, preacher, how can I train my mind though? How in the world can I get my mind where it thinks spiritual things? That's hard. Well, it sure is if you fill it up with carnal things. If I sit and watch the wrong things and listen to the wrong things and looking at the wrong things and filling my mind with carnal thoughts, boy, it's hard then to get them think. It's hard to get things spiritual thoughts. 
But if I'll feed on spiritual things, if I'll get up in the morning and spend time with God in devotion, read his Bible, spend time with God in prayer, and every time my mind starts to wander, run straight to Calvary with it and say, Lord, I know that the Bible said in the book of Philippians, I'm supposed to have the same mind as the mind of Christ. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And he died the death of the cross. I want to take these thoughts, these old fleshly thoughts, I want to run right straight to Calvary with it. If we'll do that, we can think with a spiritual mind. And so somehow they begin to, I got to hurry. There's a formulated plan. So in they come. Now imagine this, if you will, for a moment as being the disciples, the apostles are having their meeting. It's church time. Everybody, I believe this is interesting. I believe everybody, I believe they're, we can start to see they're starting to have church now the way we have church. Because if you'll read, read these verses and see if you don't think so, those young men, when, when Ananias killed over, the young men in the Bible said stood, which means they were seated. They were seated, which means that by this point, they're probably starting to have church like we have it. The apostles are standing, they're preaching, everybody else is sitting down and listening. Some of them's listening, some of them ain't paying no attention like y'all. <laughs> some of them's listening though, they're engaged. All of a sudden, in walks in the back door, in walks Ananias. He's got a big old money bag. I see him now in my mind's eye. In he walks. Clinking and clanking with all that money and them money bags. As he walks down the aisle, maybe somebody leans out and says, that a boy, Ananias. Somebody says, good job, brother. Amen. Praying for you. He's a clanking and clanking and clanking up toward the front. Another brother says, amen, Ananias. Glory to God. Everybody's saying, boy, ain't Ananias doing good. Ananias grinning from ear to ear. He's thinking, boy, this is exactly what I had in mind right here. This, I, this is how I dreamed this up. Boy, when I lay this down, them apostles are going to weep and cry. They're going to pat my back. Oh, boy. I've just, oh, boy. And he's clanking and dragging that money sack. And them apostles are standing there. Boy, he lays that money out. And he said, Lord of God, men. Peter looks at him and says, Oh, boy, you've messed up. Messed up. Don't you see the blood begins to drain from Ananias' face? He had claimed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But look at verse 3 of who he was really filled with. Look at there. Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart? Instead of being filled with the Holy Ghost, he'd gotten filled up with Satan. I want you to notice something. You say, filled with Satan, preacher, he brought 20,000 to the church. But Satan is in the imitation and the holding back business. Satan is okay with you coming to church a little bit as long as he can get you to hold back some. Satan's okay. He's all right with it. If you, want to carry, if you want to carry your Bible under your arm and make it to church on Sunday, just like old Ananias carrying his money in that day, find your place and sit down. People are patting you on the back saying, Glory to God, hallelujah. As long as inside your heart somewhere there's some holding back. There's some loving of the world down deep inside. Satan's in there. 
and you're thinking with that carnal mind, see, he don't care if you sit on the pew every Sunday as long as he's got your mind on something else. Oh, my. Peter said your heart got filled up with Satan somewhere. How in the world did that happen, Ananias? I see the blood leave his face. Now, if I were to stand Billy up tonight and say, Billy, your heart's filled with Satan. Everybody in here would go. Some of you would lean over and say, what did he say? <laughs> Wished I'd have been paying attention. <laughs> Says his heart's filled with Satan. Oh, my. Now, can you imagine if I said, Billy, your heart's filled with Satan. Lied to God. And then Billy fell over dead. What a service. <laughs> you'd go out tonight and they'd say, well, was the service good? You'd say, ain't never seen nothing like it. <laughs> Craziest thing I ever seen. We're going to have to expand the cemetery if it keeps this up. Tell you what. Wild. It was wild. There was a fatal mistake made here, Neil. And the fatal mistake was this. Ananias was living a life of falsehood. Now, God put up a lot of things. But one thing God does not like is when you act like you're something you're not. That's what, that's what Ananias and Sapphire were doing. They were trying to act like Barnabas, but down deep inside, they knew they weren't. And it became a very fatal mistake. A very fatal mistake because they had lived a fictitious life. Peter said, you've lied. But get this, he said, you didn't lie to me. He said, you lied to the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to say this to you tonight. This whole thing of serving God is a lot more serious than most of us give it credit for. I remember some years ago, Frank Phillips got to telling me about these two old ladies in a, in a church that he pastored that withstood him in one way or another. And it, it was over a bus ministry and bringing in kids and trying to win them to the Lord. And these ladies got mad at him and whatever. And he told, he, and, and he told me this. He said, I told one of them. He said, God won't let you buy you're fight. He said, you're not fighting against me, you're fighting against God. And he said, God won't let you buy. And he said, Bradley, God is my witness. I buried both of them always. Y'all was going, I, I wondered if, if that was when y'all was going to Zion. I didn't want to say it. Y'all was going there then. He buried them old ladies. Just in like a month's time. They'd withstood him, voted against him, caused him trouble. And he told them, he said, I'm telling you, you're fighting against God. And you're, that's dangerous ground to fight against God. And he buried both of them. What are you trying to say, preacher? Well, I'm not saying that God's going to kill a bunch. <laughs> I've heard preachers pray, pray that. I have. God kill them, Lord. <laughs> I remember one time as a young preacher, I was knelt down next to a pastor, and I was listening to him pray, and he, I heard him say, God, would you just kill them, Lord? God, kill them. I thought, my goodness. I can't believe he's praying that. And then I pastored some of them, and I was like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I understand that prayer now. <laughs> it was a fatal mistake. Church, let's just be real and live for God and do what we say we're going to do. Be genuine. Not live lives of falsehoods. Now watch this. I want to point out one more thing and I'm going to be done. Look at the fear in the church. Verse 5 said, That great fear came on all of them that heard these things. Basically the same thing is said in verse 11. Well, I would think so. You know, nothing puts fear in a congregation like somebody dropping dead at the altar. Now, I'm, I'm trying to think this morning, Brother Neil, about how that must have went down. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. Oh. The Bible said them boys got up, come and got him, carried him out to the cemetery. Sapphire showed up. Oh, did I tell you what Ananias' name means? Ananias' name means the God of grace. See, his whole life was a lie. In comes Sapphire. Her name means beautiful. Three hours later, where's she been? Probably hiding that $10,000. She's probably burying that out there somewhere. She put it out there. The feet of the men that buried your husbands at the door. She fell out. Well, no wonder it scared them all. Like, wouldn't that scare you? Scare me? <laughs> you talk about... I'd get to walk in the chalk. So I'm going to do the right thing. I want to ask you a question. I'm done right here, I promise. I want to ask you a question. Why such a severe judgment? I mean, my goodness, David committed adultery and murder and God didn't kill him. Why such a severe judgment? Let me tell you what I think about. Let me tell you what I think about that. I think because it was this, at the very start of the church that God knew if he allowed things like that to start happening, that they would veer so far off course right at the beginning that it would affect the whole rest of the church age. And so God had to make an example out of Ananias and Sapphire. Can you agree with me on this right here tonight? I don't want God to have to make an example out of me. I don't want God to have to do something with my life and so because of my being filled with the devil. I don't want God to have to do something in my life and say, I'm going to make an example right there so nobody else does what he's doing. What a story. What a story. Right there in the King James Bible. I wonder how many of us tonight would just say, Preacher, I don't want to live any falsehood I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and not filled with the devil. I don't ever want God to have to make an example out of my life. I don't want God to make me eat a bunch of words. I want to live where I ought to be living and do what I ought to be doing tonight. Oh, there's a great story in here. And it is simply just to be genuine. Be who, be, be who you are. Be right. Be, be what God made you to be. Don't live a life of falsehoods. Let's stand our feet. Father.
Thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach tonight. Lord, we pray tonight in Jesus' name on a Wednesday night that you would have touched some hearts in here this evening. God, I pray that you'd draw them to an altar of repentance tonight. God, if there'd be any here tonight that just want to gather around this altar and say, Lord, help me be real. Lord, help me, don't, help me not to ever live a life of falsehoods. Help me, Lord, not to ever have a time when I'd get my heart filled with the devil. Help me to think with a mind that would be spiritual. Lord, would you help them to come tonight? We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have already come and gathered around the altar this evening. You say, preacher, God's speaking to my heart. I just want to be real. I just want to be genuine. I want to think with a spiritual mind. I don't want to be filled up with the devil. I want to think with a spiritual mind. I don't want the Lord to ever have to make an example out of my life. I don't ever want to be false and fake. I just want to be the real deal. I just want to be the real deal. God help us. Lord, tonight, I want to thank you. I want to praise you and honor and glorify your name for what you're doing around our church. I can feel you doing things. I see you doing things in people's lives. Lord, it blesses my heart, and I want to thank you for it. God, would you help us to be real in our lives, never to have to live a life, Lord, where you'd have to make an example out of us. Help us, Lord, never to make a fatal decision. But God, help us just to be who we say we are and live the way you want us to live. Help us to think with a spiritual mind and never be consumed with the thoughts of the devil. God, I pray that you'd help us as a church in these last days to hold hold true and stand fast and stand strong and live right. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless us as only you can. Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. We'll honor you. We'll glorify you for all you do. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Through his blood we pray. Amen.